You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to our second episode of the Garden Report podcast from the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. This is Jared Weiss again. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jared Weiss MBA. We've got a really interesting episode now where we are going to talk to two people that have made a huge difference in the way that data is being consumed in the NBA, particularly when it comes to optical player movement tracking, which is something that I've written about and have talked about frequently in the past. It's something that's really fascinating that seemed like an impossibility a couple of years ago and then now is becoming almost you know commonplace but we know all about the sport view cameras and the access that we have to that information through nba stats part of the reason we have that is sap who was the tech giant uh information giant that partnered with the nba to help put together the completely revamped uh, nba stats program so i sat down with one of the key figures in that change that is frank wheeler of sap we had an interesting discussion about how the whole thing happens uh what the future for it is and what has really changed in the nba with the new information that we have and then before that I'm going to sit down with Rajiv Maheswaran, who is the creator of Second Spectrum, which uh, is almost pretty much replacing what SportView has done in the NBA with the cameras in every single arena to be able to track all the information. Second, Second Spectrum is now taking over that next year officially with all 30 teams. He currently has independent relationships with about 22 teams now, and uh, by the time Sloan is over, I'm sure he'll already have that relationship with the rest of the rest of the league but so we talked about although he was he there are a few answers i had to cut out because he basically said i'm sorry i'm not allowed to talk about that yet but rajiv and i discuss where second spectrum has come into the field to kind of revolutionize what has what is able to be done with tracking movement understanding movement trying to take it from where sport food laid the groundwork of being able to track kind of like the dots on the court to getting much more in-depth context being able to understand contact impact speed um, being able to understand like the way that teams defend the pick and roll which is something that he talks about very frequently which obviously is something that is kind of kind of like the most important thing when it comes to defense so understanding defense is becoming a lot better thanks to second spectrum and we talked about that uh, so we have two conversations here and before we go to the conversations i want to talk about our sponsor SeatGeek. 
Okay, so today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. It is the best way to buy tickets on the web. Whether you're using your phone, whether you're on your computer, you got to use SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few tabs. I can instantly find seats. And I actually just used SeatGeek very recently to buy tickets to a concert at the Garden. It's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Uh, It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites at the same time so you can compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek will actually grade every single ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And, you know, it's not just for sports. I mean, you can get it for concerts, comedy, and theater tickets, too. If you're living in the Boston area, there are tons of shows that sell out really quickly, especially with, like, the bots on Ticketmaster. And SeatGeek is the best way to be able to get them at the right price. And if you want to use SeatGeek, you have a great incentive to do it because all of our listeners get a $20 rebate off of their first purchase at SeatGeek. And to get your $20 rebate, all you do is you download the SeatGeek app, you go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter the promo code Garden Report, all one word, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. I've already done it and it works. It actually worked really quickly. You get your money back pretty quickly. So that is settings tab, click add a promo code, enter the promo code Garden Report, all one word, download the SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code Garden Report. Now let's talk to Rajiv Mahaswan. What do you, what have you guys innovated upon that's been out there in the past that you feel that really makes you kind of the leader in the pack? I would say sort of um, uh, so the first thing that I think we did that no one else has done was sort of take player tracking data and make it actually valuable to people because we always say that that data raw data by itself is is not that valuable it's sort of it's sort of grain and what people really want are like donuts <laughs> or or pastries and so you know. People don't want that a player was standing at a coordinate. They want to know how was this pick and roll defended. People don't want to know necessarily like, you know, what's the curvature of his movement. They want to know what's the quality of that shot. And we started taking data and making valuable things that coaches wanted to know and broadcasters wanted to know and, and to some degree fans wanted to know. And we're going to do more of that. And I think that's really the key thing that we did was sort of not focus on the, the data, but focus on what people wanted from the data and delivering those things. It sounds like optical tracking is going from like standard definition to high definition now, where you can you're going from understanding the just the location of where things are happening yeah. to understanding the actual spatial context of the interaction. Exactly, exactly. And I think like the questions are like, what are the things that you want to know that will make your life better as a coach or a GM or a broad, broadcaster or a reporter trying to tell a new story, uh, and and we answer those questions. And you can see a lot of that being done, like. Their stories talking about how people have used data to, you know, figure out how whether they're actually getting good shots or bad shots, or how they're defending particular players, and and there's a lot of stuff that we've done with ESPN on the air with Doug Collins and Jalen Rose and the dot com writers and Five Thirty Eight telling new kinds of stories, and so and that's just the tip of the iceberg of what, of the stuff that's going to be happening. 
So do do you foresee a future where we're under we're able to basically everything that we can see visually we can have translated to data and that we can have qualitative understanding of it? That's that's the idea because I think like if we can understand it, we believe a machine can understand it, and then we actually believe a machine can understand it more than a person, right? So for example, the classical example is. You know, take good shots, don't take bad shots. But humans can't really say like, oh, that's a 42 versus a 47. But if you have data, you can. And I think, so if you can see it, a machine should be able to understand it. And if you can think of the idea, a machine should be able to get you, you know, quantify those things. And I think that's what data allows. That's not a fundamental thing. Like data allows machines to understand content if applied in the right way. So right now, what do you... so? Sport View, when it first came out, it was doing XY coordinate plotting of just like where the player was yeah. essentially, I guess, the center of where they're standing. Sure. What is different with what you guys are able to project that you're allowed to tell me at this point? Nothing that I'm allowed to tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think for me, the quality of the data that I'm trying to that I'm hoping for in the future is understanding like the footwork of the player whether they were on balance whether their hands were kind of in position as opposed to down by their sides whether they were looking in the right direction well I, w- I wouldn't like minimize what sport view was able to do I think all data is is useful for something you just have to know the relationship between what the data is and what you can do with it there are th- certain things you can do with certain kinds of data and there are certain things you can't do and and knowing that is really the important thing I wouldn't say there's like good day or bad, bad day, that there's data and what you can do with that particular collection of data. And certainly, the, the world has come very far with SportView data. And I think it's like, it's to give SportView a lot of credit. It's one of the, you know, to sort of bringing a league like the NBA on board, you know, I think uh, it's a great thing that, that SportView did. So what's something that you've seen, some sort of game plan change or the way that players have changed the way they play that you think is that your, that your program really contributed to making that decision? Well, I, I definitely know that we have contributed to a lot of decisions. I can't talk about any of them, but like I can certainly say that from working with, I think we have like at this point, you know, 22 teams. It keeps changing by the day. Like we know we've had significant impact uh, on the way teams are run and players are and strategies are affected. It's just, you know, our friends. We can't tell what our friends do with our stuff, but we're very happy that they're using them. <laughs> I, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, sorry, but you know, a couple of years ago, the theme at Sloan seemed to be trying to. Now we have all this amazing information available to us. Now we have to try to convince all the coaches and the GMs to actually use it. I don't think that seems to be as much of an issue anymore. How do you how do you think the tide yeah, really think, turned there? I think. Uh, I think it's the, the the coaches and GMs are either like intentionally or unintentionally maligned. That they're, they're much more open and willing to take things if present them in the right way than, than people in the public think like the people in the NBA really care about winning and they really and they will test you hard to make sure your stuff is worthwhile as they should but they are very open to stuff that helps them win and I, I, we have not really we've, we've felt legitimate resistance they should resist people coming in and telling them what to do and they legitimately resisted but when you show them what you can do for them there's been a great openness uh, to sort of incorporating the stuff like we went from like nothing to 4 to 8 to 16 and now we're at 22 and like we'll be league wide next year and that's like a pretty short amount of time and like you don't go there unless the the, the league is very open to this kind of stuff and, and the league is did you find like you broke through with a few teams and then the rest of the league started to see this is a competitive advantage and we need to get behind it now 
I think it's more that everybody just saw the individual value it brought for them. I think it was less like teams are not that much of a thing. Like they like they'll, they'll test to see like is this going to bring value to my life? And I think as the as the tools got more and more sophisticated and easier to use and have more value, you know, I think they just said like no, this will make my life a lot better and a lot easier. And, it, and that's that's really what happened. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, man. No, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right, so that will do it for our conversation with Rajiv. Next up, we're talking to Frank Wheeler, the Global Vice President and Head of Business Development, Media, Sports, and Entertainment for SAP, who was fundamental in creating NBA stats and bringing the sports view data to the public. First off, a little bit about me, Frank Wheeler. I've been with SAP 11 years, been in the sports and entertainment industry now for almost five years. Um, the NBA really started as a, a partner technology partnership. And um, we had looked at a number of different things that, that they were looking to improve their business on as they were moving more to a digital platform across their entire organization. But focusing primarily on the NBA website called NBA Stats, NBA.com Stats. Um, this was a project that they had uh, tried to make some improvements on where basically their fans are worldwide and they've got a lot of data that they could present to their fans, um, but they struggled with having a data platform that allowed them the speed and the quality and the scalability to, to get that data into the hands of the fans in you know sub-second time. So they worked with SAP, we built the platform, uh, and now we work with uh, their organization to share not only the box score stats, if you've ever gone onto their website, it's certainly box score stats on steroids, but it's box score, non-box score, and then all the data visualization that they do through their SportView camera systems to capture statistics that you can never see from three, four years ago. So things like uh, if you wanted to look at the shooting percentage of Steph Curry, um, two points versus three points, look at three-point shooting percentage when he has a defender that's between zero and two feet away from him, two to four feet away, four to six feet away, or when it's, what his shooting percentage is when he catches and shoots versus catches and hits one dribble and shoots two dribbles etc so the amount of data that the fans are demanding that they're putting out there is pretty impressive and they needed that data platform that ability that really strong data platform to be able to support all that and that's really where SAP comes into play so let me thank you first off because I've been calling for player tracking data for years and then you guys <laughs> finally solved that issue I actually spoke to Adam Silver the day that they released it publicly. Okay. And I that was probably the most excited I've seen him besides the day he actually became commissioner. <laughs> that was I mean that that was kind of his baby that he sure. wanted to develop with you guys. What was the process like working with Adam and with the league to get that launched? They're they're definitely one of our strongest partners in the world of sports. Uh, they're very innovative. You know, we have leaders and laggards in this industry just like every other industry does. Certainly the NBA is a leader when it comes to um, fan experience, fan engagement, and the ability to uh, invest in innovation, innovative technology solutions like SAP can, brought, can bring. Um, and, and just to clarify, we did not develop player tracking. This is something that the NBA and probably Adam um, had a lot to, to, uh, to do about having every NBA arena have this sport view camera system that allows them to do player tracking across XYZ coordinates to give them the information to then share it to the fans. 
So um, we then just took that data, because we're a software company, we're not a hardware company, we took that data and really made it come to life with the visualizations and what you're seeing on NBA stats. I think if you go to the shot charts of any player, you can see all makes and misses across any time period, whether it's a game, it's a week, a month, playoffs, regular season. Um, pretty, pretty impressive what, uh, what the league's been able to accomplish. Now, I know every team in the league has been trying to figure out the best way to translate that data and utilize that data. Yeah. Did you come in with like a set of best practices that you could, that kind of distributed to the league or worked with the league to kind of communicate to the teams on how to utilize this data? No, so the, the team, uh, the league really looked for us to help them manage the data aspect of everything. They had other partners. Um, certainly we're software people and we understand sports a little bit, but we don't understand it to the depth that they have on NBA stats. What they were able to do is start to identify, because they had all this new data, they were able to start to identify new KPIs that they could measure their players on, which again is another you know, stretching of the fan engagement uh, whole topic. I think they created a, a, a KPI called clutch. So what is your shooting percentage when the game is within a certain uh, score within the last two or three minutes of a game, what is your clutch shooting percentage? And now you can measure, because you have all of this information readily available, you can create these new KPIs and then share them with the fans. So, you know, you can, you can uh, look at it. What's LeBron's clutch shooting percentage uh, in this year versus last year versus the year before? Um, that is really the experts at NBA working with us, making sure that they have the data available to be able to come up with those algorithms to create those 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 metrics, right? And that's really where, where we came in. I know a lot of writers like myself now go to NBA stats on like a daily basis. So right. how has it been just from your perspective to see the way that it's been utilized by the mass media and it's, people as a whole? It's it's incredible. I mean um, the the fact that the fans go there is one thing and they, when we first released it I think some some interesting statistics back in two thousand thirteen uh, not only did the number of fans that were going to the website increase by, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 percent, but when the fans went to the website, they were staying longer, 50 percent longer. So it had this element of stickiness, which is what every company like an SAP wants. They want to be able to roll out a solution that has stickiness. It's going to stay. It's not going to be a fad. It's not going to be just a, a short thing. So that, I think, has been a real success for us. And now the fact that they continue to grow and evolve the site and make it more and more, it's simple to use, but then you have the ability to, for example, you can go and look at this year's shooting uh, statistics on Kevin Durant. And if you looked at all the games played, games started, and how many shots he's taken, you can literally look at, you can click on that link and you can see every single video you can see a video of every single shot that he's made all year. Mm -hmm. So the, the scalability of this is insane right now. And this is what fans are demanding. You can look at a shot chart where it has a heat map of all shots made and shots missed. And you can roll your mouse over certain sections of the shot chart. And literally the video pops up and you can watch the video as you're moving your mouse across. So if you see a, a shot that's 10 feet behind the three-point line, all you need to do is move your mouse over there and then on the left-hand side of the screen, the video pops up and it'll show you that. Those are the things that are really exciting to us because the NBA is, is pushing the envelope in that area, which is great. So what's the next evolution for the interface, both for the public and behind the scenes? Yeah, I, um, there's a lot of talk about having sensors on the players. 
Um, so now they're looking at geographic information and they're looking at box score stats geographically where you can look at, for example, the shooting percentage of Kevin Durant on a certain section of the court relative to the league average. How is he doing against the league average? All of that stuff is really, really cool. I think there's a lot of talk right now about sensor technology. Are they going to put sensors on the players so that now we can see NFL is starting to exper experiment with this with Zebra now um, in-game. But how is the fan experience going to change when the players are wearing monitors? So now you can see not only distance traveled, you can see how fast are they running, um, what's their heart rate, how you know what level of exertion are they performing during the game. I think that's the next iteration of fan engagement from a technology standpoint. Not an easy topic. Um, certainly, you know, the players' association will need to get involved to make sure that as they're sharing this information about their players, it's not, uh, there's not a misperception of them saying, hey, this guy's working harder than this guy, because that, that's not necessarily the way it needs to be translation. The translation and the perception of this is really important before they roll it out to the fans, and I think they're being very cautious about that, as they should. But to me, that's where I think the, the next level of technology is going. And I know that one other thing, I think the, the NBA is, is experimenting with virtual reality as well. So it would be interesting to see where they go with, with, with that. I know there's going to be a wearables committee that was supposed to be formed last month, but I still haven't heard whether it's been actually formed. Are you planning to work with the committee to help kind of develop the best practices? Yeah, I mean, SAP is um, hardware agnostic when it comes to these sorts of devices. So as they look to share more information or provide more information to their fans, whatever that hardware device is, whether it's a virtual reality monitor, whether it's a sensor on the, on the player, um, our technology allows for that data to be captured and then shared with the fans. So for us, it's, we, we would love for them to go down that path because it's just more rich information that the fans can use on NBA stats, which is, which is powered by SAP. So there's been an issue with the, with the NBA refs where they have their last two-minute reports, and there's been so many issues about the context of those reports. Have you experienced any problems, whether it's the public or on the private side, about the context of the information that you're providing, how it's utilized, and trying to work it out with people to kind of get more of a consensus on how data should be valued? No, we, we, tend, well, um, we tend to leave that up to the NBA, because that's... Right that's sort of something that they need to address and there's a certain level of legalities that that's something that they own, right? We're here to support them in any way they, they can if they're looking at statistics or algorithms that people are questioning in terms of what a KPI says, then we're happy to help explain that to whoever's asking. But that's really more an issue that we leave the NBA to deal with. Thanks yeah. for hearing me, Frank. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That will do it for us here on the Garden Report podcast from the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. I'm Jared Weiss, and you can find me at Jared Weiss NBA on Twitter and Instagram. Please share your thoughts on the show. Share the show wherever you use social media. Uh, it absolutely helps out, and it allows me to do more of these episodes. Uh, thank you to those who joined us on the episode, Rajiv Mahesran from Second Spectrum and Frank Wheeler from SAP. Thank you to David Sparks, the uh, analytics director 
of the Boston Celtics in our first episode. If you didn't listen to that, it is a must-listen interview. Uh, thank you to the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference for an amazing weekend. I got to uh, catch up and meet a lot of fa- fascinating people throughout the league and enjoy some really great panels and great content throughout the weekend. Uh, definitely read the papers that were submitted at Sloan. There is some amazing stuff that is going on there that even blew me away, Who and I'm someone that reads this stuff all the time. Um, Thank you to everyone listening to the show. You can find this show on iTunes, Stitcher. You can find it on our CLNS Radio YouTube channel. Please subscribe all those places. Leave us a good rating. Leave us a good comment. It absolutely helps. It makes a big, a big difference for us with other listeners, with our sponsors, and really just hey, it makes me feel better at night. So thank you to everyone. Thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek, in this episode and Harry's Razors in the previous episode. Don't forget, you can go to SeatGeek and use the promo code in the settings tab garden report for a $20 rebate on your purchase and you can go to harrys.com slash garden report for when you sign up you get a free trial package and when it comes to trial packages this is just about as good as it gets in the industry that was it's a pretty great deal so that'll do it for us on the garden report the music for these two episodes was don't get captured by run the jewels and thursday in the danger room by run the jewels on this episode uh, download their album rtj3 at run the it is absolutely one of the best albums in hip-hop from the last year that will do it for the Garden Report this time. We'll see you next time. The worry, the lovers, the lose your damn mind. The livers, the blessings, so I'm not stressing because some of my friends, they survive. That's the release, but I'm much bigger pieces of living on limited time. Like, how do you look in the eyes of a friend and not cry when you know that they're dying? But how do you feel about yourself when you notice sometimes you would wish they were gone? Not because you didn't love them, but just because you felt too weak to be strong. You couldn't bear to see someone who prided themselves on the strength to feel weak. Cruelty of randomness holding for ransom their life and they're fading their dreams. You see that they're fighting and know that they're losing, but still you make jokes when you laugh. Cause you know despite all the sadness that you better get the good times while they last. Now every new word that they speak you are already feeling like it's in the past. And when they are gone you just try to move on cause the memory's hurting too bad. I've grown up so much and I wonder who you'd have become if you stuck for a while. Just know that I love you, your friend ain't forget you, now when I remember I smile. But I guess I'd say I'll see you soon. I see you soon. But the truth is that I see you now. I see you now. Still talk to you like you're around. Like you're around. But I guess I'd say you left too soon. You left too soon. Uh, but the truth is that.